down to Y Food, the edge facing back right on. The only podcast taking you under the helmet. Expert analysis breaking down the quarterback play in the NFL each weekend. Don't that feel good when your crowd behind you? Let's give them something to cheer for now. This is Inside the Pocket with your host, Greg McElroy. Welcome Inside the Pocket. I'm your host, Greg McElroy. With me, as always, it is Andrew Emmer. Can't tell you how much we appreciate the time. Hope everyone is having a wonderful, wonderful day here in early November. The midway point is nearly here, at least for some teams it is, and for others, it's on the way. And I think it's time to start discussing the possibility of Russell Wilson winning his first MVP award. I mean, it, it's getting to that point, and it really is. Now, we've talked about him already this week. He received the quarterback spotlight treatment this week after his performance against the San Francisco 49ers. If you missed that, you can check it out. It's posted just a few hours before we put this thing up. So go ahead, look back at it. Go with me on the NFL Game Pass tape to tape talking about some of the specific plays made in that game. But he gets the gold star, and he also gets the midseason MVP. I mean, I don't know what else you want from Russell Wilson at this point. He is on pace to throw for nearly 60 touchdowns. I mean, is that good enough for you? I mean, the last time the last time we had a guy that was on this scorched earth pace was Tom Brady back in 2007. He had 27 touchdowns at this point. And Russell Wilson, of course, has 26. Uh, what's most amazing, though, is that Russell Wilson threw three touchdown passes on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers where he was under duress. That puts his total for the season at 12. He's got 12 touchdowns in seven games in which he was under duress from the opposing defense. 12. Seven games, 12 touchdown passes under duress. That is tied with Jameis Winston for the most such touchdowns in a season since ESPN be- began tracking the stat in 2009. Jameis Winston had 12 touchdown passes under duress in 2016. He did it in less than half a season. That's telling you just how historically great Russell Wilson has been. He, of course, had four touchdown passes, which was the most he's had against the 49ers in his career. And also, he was torching the 49ers blitz packages. Now, the 49ers brought some blitz packages that were a little bit vanilla, I guess for lack of a better word. Very relatively simple, and Russell Wilson, for the most part, carved them up. Against the 49ers blitz, he was 14 of 18 for 158 and two touchdowns. That's the fourth most completions he's had in a game in the last five seasons. Against the Blitz, that is, of course. Now, when they brought a defensive back to really throw a curveball at Russell Wilson, I say that tongue-in-cheek because bringing a safety off the edge and rushing four is about as simple a defense as you can potentially have. And you're basically blitzing a safety in favor of a linebacker. Like, great. Put a linebacker out there and covered instead of a safety in the hook flat. I'm going to take advantage. So I don't know why they ran that defense, but like I said, that's a conversation for a different day. When they brought a defensive back, Russell went eight of nine for 107 and two touchdowns. Eight of nine 
107, two touchdowns. The other thing that he continues to do at a remarkable rate is throw it accurately off of play action. He was 14 of 14 for 97 and two touchdowns off play action. I mean, think about those numbers. Like we're talking about absolutely ridiculous numbers that we saw from him throughout the course of the game on Sunday. No surprise. He's your midway point MVP, and he is the gold star recipient here in week eight. Other performances of significance. I'm going to give the bounce back performance to Drew Locke. Yeah, we haven't even talked about Drew Locke, the former Missouri Tiger. And after a three quarter performance, that was really disappointing. Really disappointing. He went on in the fourth quarter to complete 14 of 18 for 155 and three touchdowns. Not to mention, he led the Broncos back from a 24 to 10 deficit at the start of the fourth quarter. Now, he's the first Broncos quarterback to throw three fourth quarter touchdown passes in a win since Peyton Manning back in 2013. And I think what's even more interesting is the fact that he really didn't play well at all in the first three quarters. I mean, and by the way, up until this past Sunday, his fourth quarter performances this year have been borderline atrocious. He had yet to throw a touchdown pass in the fourth quarter this year until Sunday in which he threw three. Uh, Really impressive, I thought. I thought he was really good outside the pocket, or excuse me, inside the pocket, no pun intended, uh, and was very accurate, very accurate, as he went throughout the course of that fourth quarter. Now, I'm really impressed with what I've seen from Justin Herbert. Anyone that's listened to this show knows that. But, man, he was outdueled. He was outdueled in the fourth quarter against a guy that kind of had to have it. Now, Locke has certainly taken a bit of a backseat. Herbert has burst onto the scene for the Los Angeles Chargers. We all know how good Patrick Mahomes is. And we've spent quite a bit of time talking about Derek Carr. The only guy we haven't discussed this season, partly because of injury and partly because of poor performance or average performance, was Drew Locke. Well, he burst onto the scene and did a beautiful job, I thought, throughout the course of the game, especially there in the fourth quarter. Uh, Other performances of significance, Lamar Jackson gets the Titan Up Award. And and I I know it's a little bit of low-hanging fruit, but do you realize that Lamar Jackson's career numbers against both the Steelers and the Kansas City Chiefs, both in the regular season and in the playoffs. Now, I, I, don't get me wrong. I know the great teams he beat last year in the regular season. I'm talking playoffs, and then basically the two biggest and baddest groups that they're going to have to play against in order to get to the Super Bowl. The Chiefs and the Steelers, the two best teams right now in the AFC. Well, do you realize that Lamar Jackson's one for four 
excuse me, one and four. One win, four losses. Do you know who that one win came against? The Mason Rudolph-led Pittsburgh Steelers. So against the Chiefs, which he's already acknowledged that they're their kryptonite, and against the Pittsburgh Steelers, you might want to add them as part of the kryptonite as well, because his stats against those two teams are shockingly bad. Now, it wouldn't be as bad if Lamar Jackson didn't absolutely torch everybody else. Against everybody not named Kansas City and Pittsburgh, he's 23-1 and with 59 touchdowns and 13 turnovers. Let me say that one more time. 23-1, and 59 touchdowns, 13 turnovers. Well, Lamar against Kansas City and Pittsburgh, he's 1-4. and four. That one win coming against the Mason Rudolph-led Steelers team. He has seven touchdowns in five games. And nine turnovers. Not to mention, he's taken 18 sacks. And that's shockingly bad against the two teams that he needs to be at his best against. He's been shockingly bad. And against everybody else, he absolutely torches them. So he gets part of the Titan Up Award because that's just not good enough. I mean, not to mention the turnovers that he had this past week. He just didn't play well. And he's a big reason, by the way, why the Steelers were able to put things together. I thought, all things considered, Pittsburgh was outplayed by just about everybody associated with the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. Except Lamar Jackson's interceptions and all four of his sacks were extremely problematic. Extremely. And you just can't play like that. Because he, he just he's not going to be able to beat the top teams and chase a Super Bowl if he plays that way. Doesn't mean he can't figure it out, but he better figure it out and figure it out quickly. Another Titan Up Award goes to Nick Foles. Nick Foles is in a difficult situation. There's no denying that. He's not mobile, and his offensive line isn't very good. So what is going on right now with the Chicago Bears offense? Because Nick Foles is not playing well. Do you realize that against just a standard four-man rush, he got sacked four times? Four-man rush. Sacked four times. He also averaged a paltry 5.2 yards per attempt against a four-man rush. However, when the Saints blitzed him, He was 8 for 10 for 110 yards and a touchdown. Plus one sack. Like He needs guys to pressure him so he can get the ball out of his hands quickly. But if I were basically trying to game plan Chicago Bears offense, I need to keep everything in front of me and I know my front four can get home. Against that offensive line, they're leaky as can be. So why for the life of me are the Bears continuing to deny that Foles is not the answer? He's not the answer. 
I'm not saying Trubisky is, but at least he gives you a chance. I mean, at least he can run around. He went 3-0 and this year with Mitch Trubisky as your starting quarterback. Totally skewed statistic, I know. Because it required a pretty remarkable comeback. He was benched in one, and that was another comeback. I mean, I, I get that. Skewed stat. But tell me what you've seen from Nick Foles the last few games that makes you think he's the answer. If you are trying to make an argument on his behalf, your argument's going to be a losing one. It's not to say that he can't get things right, but I strongly, strongly feel like Mitch Trubisky gives them the better chance to be successful offensively. Just run the football. Go zone read. Go quarterback run. Go do yourself a favor and watch the Los Angeles Rams against you nine days ago on Monday Night Football, whatever, however long ago it was on Monday Night Football. Look at how Jared Goff and Sean McVay and Kevin O'Connell, everyone associated with the play calling for the Los Angeles Rams, look at how they moved the pocket. Look at how they changed the launch point. Look at how they used Goff's relatively limited mobility against the Bears' defense. Khalil Mack was a non-factor. So was Hicks. A non-factor. Want to know why? Because they were constantly using misdirection by using Goff's athleticism on bootlegs and nakeds. You can't rush the passer if you don't know where the passer's going to be. They should do that with Trubisky. They're trying to play offense with one hand tied behind their back, and Foles is not playing well enough to pick it up. It's been unfortunate. It's been really unfortunate because that is an excellent defense that has been squandered. And if they can just find some type of identity offensively, I think that team could make a legitimate run in the playoffs. I actually believe that. But we will see. Like I said, the gold star and the mid-season MVP goes to Russell Wilson. The bounced back performance goes to Drew Locke after Three quarters of mediocrity and one quarter of excellence against the Chargers in what was a remarkable comeback. You got to give some love to Drew Locke for the divisional comeback and pulling off what was a very unexpected win. And then the Titan Up Award goes to not just Lamar Jackson after he was a real problem, a real problem for the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday and their loss and giving up what was a 10-point lead to the Pittsburgh Steelers. But it also goes to Nick Foles. Nick Foles, who continues to struggle behind what is a very leaky offensive line for the Chicago Bears. And he's not making great decisions either. So that's a little bit troubling. Look, so excited to be joined by our next guest. He is Dan Orlovsky. Does a fantastic job on all of ESPN's platforms, including college football, Games every single Saturday on ESPN and ABC, and of course on NFL Live and ESPN's Get Up. And welcome back inside the pocket. Still so much we want to get to here as we navigate through the midway point of the NFL season. And to do it and to wrap things up, he does such a great job on NFL Live. He is Dan Orlovsky of ESPN, also calls games for college football at ESPN. Dan, so appreciate the time, my friend. How are you? 
I'm doing good, bud. I'm uh, I'm happy to be with you. I know I, I've been shot down multiple times by you to get on the podcast, so good to be with you, man. <laughs> Dude, I'm just pumped you're here. You're the authority on quarterbacks, so this is great, man. We're so happy to to have you. You do such a great job doing your homework and studying these guys from every possible angle after the 12-year career that you were able to have uh, in the league. 12, right? You got 12 in, right? I that was off the top of my years, head. Man. Yeah, 12 Boom, years. 12. Yeah. Hey, that's the goal though, right? Like you'd never want to, the goal is to not play and yet be there, right? Like keep cash and checks, great backup glue guy. Like that's you, right? No doubt. Like it's listen, you're either like really, 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 really good. So you, they just are like, you know what? We're just going to give you a ton of money or this, the alternative is like, just be good enough to hang on for a long time, be a great teammate, perfect the high five. Like, no one was better than me at going <laughs> nice ball, Matthew, and just give him like a thumbs up on the sideline, dude. So it was I love fun. it. Yeah, and I totally get it. You you did a great job, man, for a long time and and had a career that most of us would really, really love to have experienced. So let's dive into now your career though at ESPN. I mean, doing such an amazing job. Um, love watching you and Spears and Mina and Laura. Uh, what you guys do every day on NFL Live is amazing, compelling content. So encourage all of our listeners to check it out. Just really, really good stuff uh, from every possible angle. But let's get to the quarterbacks with you. And more specifically, we're almost at the midway point, not quite. Some teams have played eight, some teams have played seven. But if you had to crown an MVP right now through eight weeks of the season at the quarterback position, who would it be? It's got to be Russell Wilson. You know, uh, a couple weeks into the season, I, I was like, you know what, I'm going to walk out on a limb here and go, I'm going to say Josh Allen, because Josh was playing so well and some big plays in the passing game. And what Russell has done is just every single week outside of the Arizona game, just been the best player in the league. He's just been the best difference-making playmaker in the NFL. And no matter how defenses want to play him or get after him, it just doesn't matter. He's always doing the right thing with the football. And so as well as Aaron Rodgers is playing and as – quietly well as Patrick Mahomes is playing with 21 touchdowns and a pick and kind of the, you know, the, the impressive performance by Tom Brady this year, I can't in my heart or in my head, like lay my head on the pillow at night and not say Russell Wilson right now. Yeah. It's hard to argue with that. I mean, he is so good against the blitz. So good under duress. Uh, We went through the QB spotlight this week, Dan, and just kind of highlighted his performance this past week against San Francisco. The guy was unconscious. I mean, it just just makes it look so easy, uh, and he would be the exact same guy I'd go with. Uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. The the crazy thing, Greg, is he's always doing the right thing with the football. I mean, you know how hard that is. Like, at some point, you do the wrong thing with the ball. You, You make the wrong read. You throw the wrong type of throw with tempo on it or trajectory, and he just never does that. He just – the ball is always the, – the, the decision and the kind of the care of the football is always at the absolute top. Well, the other thing too, though, is like – I completely agree with you on that, but DK Metcalf last week, for example, like he's got safety pressure. They brought that six or seven different times. They just bring free safety, strong safety off the edge. It's like five-man pressure, piece of cake. Like what yep. San Francisco is doing, I still don't really understand. Like yeah. they were going to fool Russell Wilson. Oh, hey, let's bring this guy. 
I mean, give me a break. And he either threw into it or away from it based on what the leverage was like. And then he knew exactly where his answers were. Like it was just stealing. It was literally stealing every single time he's dropped back. And when he's thrown it to DK Metcalf, like DK has become the guy that you, you don't match up against. Like he's become the receiver. You go, man, like, are we really, are we really okay going one-on-one? Like Mosley was playing good up until last week. And then, like you said, like Russell just knows, okay, you're bringing that pressure. This is that answer. And there's nothing you could do to stop it. Yeah. Uh, he, he has become an absolute nightmare and uh, the deep ball down the left sideline, the catch and run for 36 yard touch. I mean, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. If you want more on that breakdown, you can listen to our QB spotlight, which we post every week this week, featuring Russell Wilson. Uh, another guy I want to ask you about, cause I know you were really hot on him. I was not as bullish. Uh, on him coming into the league, but that's Joe Burrow. And he was able to deliver what was a statement performance this past weekend, absolute domination against the Titans, a team that has a lot of pride and can do a lot of really good things on the defensive side. What have you made of Joe Burrow so far this season? Yeah. You know, I, I try to continue week by week to find adjectives to describe how well he is playing. Uh, I said this last week, Greg, if you just, took a person and, and kind of took the jersey off Joe Burrow and colors of the, the team and just gave it like a blank resume and watched him play, that person would go, this, this guy's been an all-pro for 10 years. Like, he's that good. He's just – he sees the field so well, he's been playing forever. And then you go, no, he, this is his eighth game in the NFL. And so, you know, the, the thing that I loved about him in college was he just never panicked with the football. And I think that's such a difference maker between – really good and becoming great quarterback. He just never panics with the ball. And then, you know, as you watched last week, it two things that stand out. His his um, awareness of where people move and then where the football should go is, is uncanny. It, and it, the ball gets out of his hands so fast. It reminds me a little bit of Peyton, which, which how quickly the ball comes out with what defenders do. And then his just feel for kind of color on the defense he's got some throws in the game to Tyler Boyd he makes a throw to Tyler Boyd in the the fourth quarter with like 10 minutes to go where Boyd's back is completely turned to him and he it's not a reckless throw it's a very calculated throw and he throws it with like enough juice off the football and he places it on the right shoulder where Boyd just turns around and the ball it's almost impossible to catch because it's thrown so perfectly the surprise is like, oh, I'm just putting my hands here and the ball is perfectly thrown. And so I just think this guy is like a combination of like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Steve Young type of like traits. I'm not saying he's that player, but those traits and skills that he has, there's no quarterback, no young quarterback in the NFL that I would take over him outside of Patrick Mahomes. That's saying something because Justin Herbert's been incredible. Uh, there have been a lot of really positive moments, obviously for Lamar Jackson. I mean, there's eight or nine guys under the age of 25, Josh Allen, who you, who we discussed just a little while ago. Uh, all those guys, I would argue have more horsepower though than Joe Burrow. Like, don't get me wrong. His floor is remarkably high, but his ceiling isn't as high as others. So like, where do you measure that with Joe Burrow as far as his potential upside and, and growth that he might have at the position down the road? Yeah, I mean, I think that sometimes ceiling is often tied to, like, the physical attributes, you know. And so, yes, he does not – horsepower is a great word to describe it, if that's one word. Um, 
Horsepower is a great <laughs> word to describe it. Like those guys are probably more powerful athletes. Our Herbert is a more powerful athlete. Josh Allen's a more powerful athlete and certainly have bigger arms. But I think ceiling also, like we need to tie ceiling into like the operation of the position and the ability to go above the X's and O's and like his ability to just make plays work. There's plays in that game where third downs and fourth downs where you know, Zach Taylor calls a good play for their offense, but the defense is just better. And you know this, like sometimes the defense just wins, right? Not with Joe Burrow. Like he just makes the plays work. And that's sometimes the way I feel about Russell Wilson. I wish I could articulate it better than Russell Wilson just made that play work with the creativity of post-snap feel. And that's where I think like he, he closes that ceiling gap, so to speak, is like his ability to just make the plays work when they shouldn't is more special than a Herbert, a Deshaun Watson. And I, that's saying a lot because Deshaun, I absolutely adore, but I, I'm just, I'm so, I'm so, so much a, a big believer in Joe Burrow moving forward. Yeah, it's hard to argue with any of that. A couple more guys I want to get your take on. One guy that you've defended for quite a while is Carson Wentz. Understandably so. Like I, I know, I know you love him. I know he's had some really bright moments. It's hard to ignore those uh, over the course of his young career. But man, he's just he, he blows my mind. Like I don't know how else to really describe it. Like there are things he does, not all that dissimilar to like a Daniel Jones, where I just don't understand what he's trying to accomplish. Like, and I know you've talked openly about, you know, it's almost getting to the point where it's hard to defend some of these decisions, but where are we at right now in regards to Carson Wentz? Yeah, it, it, he's right now where he still has those highs that you go, man, three or four times a game, you go, that's, that's the guy. Like that, that's the, whatever I need to pay you money wise, that's the guy. And then he has three or four plays a game right now where you're going, I can't, and, and not being able to wrap my brain around it is because I could never fathom making those plays because I wasn't good enough to make those other plays. I was never talented enough to make those three or four plays a game where you go, holy smokes, there's only a handful of people on, on the planet that, 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 that can do that. So I, was, I, I can't fathom, like, the first fumble the other night against the Cowboys, I can't fathom making that play because – I was never good enough to even think about doing anything other than throw the ball away in that moment. And so this is like what I want to see out of Carson Wentz. Give me a clean football game. Just give me a clean game. Some, like I'm almost to the point where like over the win, give me a clean football game where you go into the game going, you know what? I'm going to play clean both mentally and physically in the pass game and the run game. I just want to be clean, no stupidity. And if he does that, then I feel a lot more settled because right now it's so dirty. It's so messy. It's so sloppy. And it's just like how, um, you know, how lucky can you get, so to speak, with who's going to clean up your mess? Is it going to be the defense? Is it going to be the opponent? Is it going to be the, the team you're playing with being dirtier than you, so to speak? And so I need to see kind of more clean play from him and, and, and until I'm going, all right, I feel settled with where he is. Yeah. That's kind of where I, he's just, he reminds me so much of Daniel Jones. Like there's those three or four plays a game. It's like, what are we doing? It's like, you I forgot the, how to play the position. The difference between him and Daniel, Greg would be like, Daniel can't do some of the stuff Carson can, right? Like, no, you know? And so that's, I, I'm, that's why Daniel is like even worse where it's like, dude, how can you panic with the football that much? But I agree where just some of those plays you go, dude, I, 
you've been taught from eight years old. You don't do that. Awesome stuff from our man, Dan Orlovsky. Can't tell you how much we appreciate him joining us. Really good perspective to such a great job on all of ESPN's platforms covering the NFL and college football. And of course you can see him every single day on NFL live. That'll do it for us here at Inside the Pocket. For all of us, Andrew Emmer, I'm Greg McElroy. Remember, you can always download Inside the Pocket wherever it is you get your podcast, and you can always get us on the SiriusXM app.